two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everything you need to know about music. Where I, Jason, tonight am sitting with Demetra. Say hello, Demetra. Hello, hello. Randy. Say hello, Randy. Hello. How are you doing? And Brian. How you doing, Brian? Good evening. Good evening to you as well. Uh, tonight is kind of a big night for me because it's been a little over three years that we have been talking about doing this podcast in particular. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. And we've talked about it frequently during that time. Hey, we got to put that together. We got to do that. We got And I have said to you, I need it. It has to be done for two reasons. One, it fills a couple of gaps that have been created on some of the artists that have been done already, and yet this one hasn't. And also, it really fills a gap for me because this happens to be one of the bands that I would put on my list of bands that I missed. I know a couple of their songs, I honestly, but it wasn't nearly as big to me as it was to my peer group, people around me, and every time I bring up the fact that I don't know that much about this band, that I look, they look at me like I have four eyes. So tonight, I'm just going to let you take it from here, Randy, and do who? Well, in order to, <laughs> before we introduce the band, we're going to go ahead and we're just going to, we're going to talk about the climate of the music at that time. Okay. All right. Go ahead. And so I'm going to start out with a song that I think is probably going to be what was going on around that, that particular time. Okay. Step by step, ooh, baby, <laughs> okay. it's going to get to you, girl. Wow. Okay. All right. Does anyone know who, which that's band that kids, is? That new kids on the block? Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Demetri yes. would definitely know that one. <laughs> so around this time, uh, I lived in uh, Daytona Beach. Okay. Um, I actually dated a girl at the time that I went to go see this band in concert at Valentine. Sorry, you went to see New Kids on the Block? I did. Okay. Valentine <laughs> Tartbeat. i make sure. I didn't know. I didn't know. Okay. No, 100%. Gotcha. Now, Sorry. definitely outside of the realm of what I was listening to at the time. Right. But there's some crazy stuff you do for women. <laughs> yeah. Especially at that time in your life. At that time in your life. Yes. So I went to go see them. So this was what was on the charts. This is what was going on. Because we have to listen to what was going on. You have to understand what was going on. Okay. Before you realize that there were four chords that changed the entire world and the music industry. Four. Wow. Okay. So. This is good. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. This is, uh... oh, I know it. I know it. Can I say it? Go. Marky Mark. Uh. And the and funky, funky bunch. bunch. Uh, yeah. Good vibrations. Yes. Okay. This. So, okay. What year is? What year is this? Man, that's like 89, 90, 91, 92. Okay. So this is kind of the climate that's going on at that time. This is the music that's out there. Um, you've got, you've got all these like techno pop coming off of uh, the 80s into the 90s. Um, this is what everybody's listening to. Wasn't like hair bands and metal going on then too? They they had the hair bands and, and metal also. There's, 
it's weird because what, what most of the airplay at that time was exactly that. You watched MTV, it was Paula Abdul, it was Marky Mark, it was yeah, um, it was just the late eighties kind of um, not I don't want to call it hip hop, but pop kind of pop. Right? Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, and, and who was the big leader at the time? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was still Michael there. Jackson yeah, mid to late eighties. Yeah, was cr- yeah. crushing it. Yep. Yeah. At that particular time, so I was in but kind wait, of. Sorry, the hair bands were still there, but it was that like more mid eighties. Yeah, because um, I mean, Poison, Poison, the, like the Van Halens and the Def Leppards. And Van all, Halen kind was of early early eighties. Then Poison was definitely mid eighties, and Motley Crue. Motley Crue, not whole right. They're still in there yeah, a little uh, bit. Great yeah. White. There, yeah, um, there was a there was a whole array of those type of hair bands. Gotcha. Um, but this was just seemed like where I where I was growing up at. This was kind of what was going on. It was danceable. It was yeah. in the nightclubs. I distinctly remember being in my mom's living room in Daytona Beach. Right. And I think it was probably 1992. And all of a sudden, this song comes on the radio. So, uh oh, I had to stop you. I was gonna say <laughs> because I heard that, right? And I'm like, my head immediately turned. Right. Who and what is yeah that band? So it hit you like a ton of bricks. It was. I distinctly remember exactly where I was. Wow. And when I heard that breakdown. Wow. Four chords. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. F. B flat, A flat, D flat. <laughs> and that it. did it. And I was like, who is this band and why I haven't heard of them before? Wow. So I have had that experience with multiple bands or artists and I, it, it has been life changing for me. Now, I didn't have this experience with Nirvana. I didn't have that experience with that song, but I know what that feels like. And it's like, wait, it's like seeing another, a new color. Or something that you didn't know could ever exist, and it's like it's life changing. Was that how you would describe it? Oh, like that kind it, of a feel? It was just it, they call it what do they call it? Flash, uh, flash bulb memory, right? Yeah. And I, I, I could tell you exactly the layout of my mom's living room. I know where the stereo was, <laughs> and I know when I heard this song, I'm like, "That's so wild." Who is this? That's a core memory right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I immediately was completely. In, uh, engrossed with this song, so start it over. What an intro, huh? So good. So there I am sitting trying to figure out who this band is. Yep. Figure out how I can find this band. And the more I can listen to them, the better. So the song is, is Smells Like Teen Spirit. And it's by the band, the band Nirvana. <clears throat> Nirvana was three guys from Aberdeen, Washington. That's right, Washington. That's right. Yep. Do you yep. know where Aberdeen is? Nope. 
I've been to Aberdeen. No You've, kidding. There you go. So he's been to Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah. Aberdeen. Well, wait, wait. What's Aberdeen like? Um, it's a very middle kind of low class ish uh, area. Yeah. Of Washington, you know, it's nothing. Nothing remarkable. Not at all. Gotcha. Yeah. It was actually a, a lumber city. It was. Oh. It was a big industrial city. So it was. Uh, so let me pause you there for just a second. When you, Brian, came and did the Chris Cornell Soundgarden podcast, which was phenomenal, we briefly touched on Nirvana because of the genre. So all of that was kind of going on in that upper West Coast, like northern West Coast area, right? Yes. Seattle, yeah. Why there? Like, why there? Why did it start in that particular area? Like the grunge movement or? Yeah, yeah. I don't because I, I those guys were there. It just happened right? to be but, like the, just but, the concentration of those kinds of. I mean, you'll uh, Randy will probably hit it, but these guys are grunge. Like grunge didn't exist until until Nirvana. Gotcha. Everything else was all you know, alt rock or yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I'll spin off of punk. What or, is so different? What did they do? I know you're going to get into it a little bit, so I don't want to. I don't yeah, want to ask too yeah, many no, questions no. until you no. until you get started. These are all great questions, and you know I love your questions. Yeah, well, just because I don't. Again, this was not a band that I had that moment with. I found them later. I've told this story on other podcasts before. I found them because of their MTV Unplugged album, which is unbelievable. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, but. I found them because of that and kind of worked backwards on some of the songs. It didn't hit me like in the very beginning the way that it hit you. Well, you know, I think that that Unplugged came out after, uh, I mean, it was obviously recorded before uh, he died, but, right. but so it, was, it, came oh, out it came out after, after he, he passed died. away. Yeah, I didn't you know, know that. They didn't really? until afterwards. I didn't know that. So interesting it can't, it, they recorded that in New York City in November of 1993. If you look at the video, right? Notice it is set up like a funeral. This is it. It's no all kidding. orchids. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Lot oh, of, yeah, yeah, yeah! There's a lot of things. We have it on, by the way, while we're recording this, yeah. and we're watching it. As, all the candles. On mute yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. So he was big into Lead Belly too. He he really loved Lead Belly. It, I know you know who that yeah. guy is. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he wanted his guitar. Tried really? To get, he tried to get David. This is a side note. It's not even in my notes, but he wanted to get David Geffen to buy that guitar. It was like a half a million dollars. He oh, goes, wow. please buy Lead Belly's guitar for me. Wow. It didn't happen. But so the band. You know what's funny? I'm watching this now, and I forgot he's left-handed. I know. Uh, it's interesting. Who else? Who it. else? Famous guitarist. Oh, a bunch of Jimmy. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Amazing. That's pretty cool. All right, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't, so, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Perfect. But so, that's how... So I started at the end, in essence. Like, the last kind of thing he did was what brought me into some of the other stuff that they did. And I, I that's... I found it late, is what I guess I'm saying. I found it late, because this was their third album already released. It was? It was their... It smells Like Teen Spirit was the third... Like, was, on their third album? Yeah, Nevermind oh, was their third album. So, so we'll go into a little bit of the band, and then we'll talk about. And I'm going to pick a song from each album. Oh, good, cool. So, and then so I've got some pretty interesting uh, um, things involved in in each record that came out. Okay. So, so <laughs> Nirvana started in. It was three guys from Aberdeen. Um, they started in '87 to '89. All right. About, and it was Kurt Cobain, 
who was a singer and guitarist, Chris Novoselic, who was a very tall bass player, and there was another guy as the drummer named Aaron Burkhart. Okay. That yeah. was the original threesome. Um, they were friends with another band called the Melvins. Um, Kurt had written some songs, and he, he actually, um, before the band even started, he tried to get Chris Novoselic to, to join a band with him, and Chris just blew him off, and then finally <laughs> said, okay, yeah, let's start a band. So they start with this Aaron Burkhart, and then they go through a whole series of drummers, like one after another. There was this Aaron Burkhart, there was a guy named Dale Crover, there was a guy named Dave Foster, and then finally they, they got a guy named T- Chad Channing, Chad Channing will say, and he still says it, that he was never actually officially asked to be in the band. <laughs> really? <laughs> he just okay. played drums with him. <laughs> okay. And, and he actually played on a number of the albums. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. That is interesting. So um, April of 1990, Chad, Chad Channing left the band, um, and they had a bunch of fill-in drummers, and then that's finally where they got... Yeah. Guess who? No, I do know this because <laughs> I did a Foo Fighters podcast. Gotcha. And learned Dave Grohl wasn't always a front man. He's a phenomenal drummer, and he was the drummer of Nirvana. Do you know what band he was in before that? Oh. Was that a Washington, D.C.? Scream. You got it. Oh, wow. Brian, good job. Yes. See, no. No, I didn't know that. So he was a big, like, he's, his family still lives in that area. I in the say, D.C. area or yeah, the Washington? Okay. In the D.C. So area. So how do you like, get from D.C. all the way to the other side of the country? Um, somebody heard him and just, he, he was in a band, Scream, that had just broken up. And they're like, you have to try this. Uh, Kurt auditioned him. Because by now, they were already getting a lot of, like, um, momentum okay there was a lot of buzz about nirvana so they auditioned him and they hired him within two minutes oh god and and like he broke a drum head which is funny because um doyle and i have have a drummer that hits hard that we have to constantly tell him not to hit hard. oh really but <laughs> kurt was extremely ecstatic that he broke the drum head and goes this is our new drummer that's our guy all right he wants that kind of power <laughs> so funny. so um they uh so let's back up so the first album they recorded um was an album called bleach now they had had a couple like uh would i know any songs off of that album yes really yes okay because if you've if you've listened to the unplugged yeah oh okay okay all right um so the the song that i'll play off of bleach I'll play you right now. Bleach came out in, did you say 89-ish? I was... Yeah, it was probably 89. You know, when you think about the the popularity that these guys had and the Gen X influence, like he said, it was like a, you know, changed everybody's life when that one song came out, Teen Spirit. And they were only around for like six years. Maybe three when they were popular. Like the first three, they were kind of like nothing. And yeah, kind of underground. And then he's gone. That's so true. To put it yeah. in that kind of perspective. I didn't he, think about that. So Bleach was recorded in 1989. Okay. Um, and they actually went through a whole series of, uh, of different, man- you know, like different uh, companies that were repping them. And Sub Pop was one of them, which is a big, um, uh, 
I guess I don't know what you call those guys. Like they they sign bands. So like an A and R guy. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yep. So sub pop, and that's you know everybody has a sub pop shirts from. And Seattle. they were a Seattle area. Based area. Okay, yeah, you know, like so. Uh, so nineteen eighty eight. So Kurt wrote and sang in the style of what band? <sighs> Brian's gonna know this because I'm not gonna know this. Say it again. What he? Kurt wrote, wrote and wrote sang songs in the style of what band? Oh, man, that's hard. That's too hard for me. So, Brian, do you have any guess? Before, before him. So, um, so Seattle. I'll play this. Brian, you're going to know these guys. Oh, Radiohead, wow. Bass players Kim Deal. Oh, who is this? The Pixies. The Pixies. Uh, wow. So he, they're big. He's obviously a very big Pixies fan. He liked the Pixies because they would play soft and quiet, and then loud and hard. That mm. intro just is exactly that. Wow. Okay. As it smells like Teen Spirit too. It's kind of following that same progression. He actually said that he connected with the band so much that he should have been in it <laughs> really is that what he said or in a cover band <laughs> no wow. kidding wow so so interesting tidbit that's yeah. kind of where he got that Very um cool there's i i've read so much stuff about nirvana over the years and i was a huge fan and uh do you like him specifically or do you like the band as a unit like i know there's a lot of people that were huge into him his his mood, his style, his songwriting, the way he played, you know, just his whole thing. Was it him or was it the three of them together? There's a dynamic there that, that is just so unique and so different. Yeah. That, but, I mean, he wrote all the songs. I actually looked to see because I, I almost had, um, I followed him so much and I knew so much about him through the years right. that I thought there was one song off their last album, which was In Utero, which was their last album, that Dave Grohl wrote. Okay, and okay. I thought it was Serve the Servants, but I could not find anything. So Mikey told me, my buddy Mike said on the Foo Fighters podcast that Dave Grohl did so much writing during the time that he spent with Nirvana, but but felt that he just wasn't up to the caliber and so he held all of these songs back. That's that when, true. That when he yeah. actually uh, started Foo Fighters, that's kind of how he had all of this stuff to, to use because he had all this material. But minus one song that he did give to Dave, and I think that they, or sorry, that, that um, Kurt and Dave, I think co-wrote together. He had, I think he had he shared one song. Other than that, it, it, Kurt Cobain, I, I think, wrote anything, which is what Mike told me. I think that's how it went. And, and it's funny that, you say right. that because like that, I yeah. keep thinking it served the servants, which was off of I, I wouldn't remember the name of the song, but yeah. So... Um, but man, when I, I did my research on this, I'm trying to find did he co-write. Did, right, right. And I'll actually say something. At first, they had a breakdown between the band where everybody was 33%. Oh, okay. And then Kurt did a retro deal. The band almost broke up. Oh. Because he took 75%. Oh, wow. And even wanted retro of Nevermind. 
Which is interesting uh, well, because sort of who he is, he's sort of like the, you wouldn't think he would do that. Like yes. you wouldn't think he wouldn't do, he think wouldn't do it for the money. Influence. Yeah, yeah, maybe oh, okay. you're right. Maybe yeah. Post- <laughs> kind of like the uh, Yoko of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Because he didn't seem like he was that kind of, uh, that kind of a that guy. That kind of guy, yeah. So I know we're kind of bouncing around, but I just wanted to, I, I found this interesting. Chris Novoselic on, on that song, right. um, Smells Like Teen Spirit, actually hated the song at first and they played it for about an hour and a half and then he slowed it down and then Grohl created the drum beat for it and then oh and then he, he loved, loved it. it yeah wow that's neat and it's probably because they have you know when he's doing that one portion of the song where he's just going doo yeah and then you just hear the bass line yeah that's probably why is that the their biggest goes. song that's gotta be the biggest hit right yeah yeah, I would think. I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of like popular songs um, that that have come out, um, but yeah, if you if you ask the average person on the street, the it would probably yeah. be that one. And that's the one that was you know to me overplayed, you know, on the radio and on MTV. I mean, it they, it was it, you didn't get from point A to B in your car without, without hearing, hearing that song it. twice. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely was. right. I wonder if they hated that in a way. I'm sure they love the fame and the monetization of it, but... This, this is why I like doing these things with you, because... You oh, am I stepping on your toes again? No, oh. no. You ask these questions that I wasn't planning on saying, <laughs> and then I have an answer for it. Oh, good. Please, then tell me. Cause so, yeah, he actually hated it. Yeah. He absolutely hated it. And, and when he would play that song live... He would do it for the crowd, sure, and he would play it like super fast, just to get, on it, purpose. get through it, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, and just do different things with that because he he just at yeah. that point didn't like the song and what and this is him what he saw in the crowd in front of him also he did not like because mm-hmm. he was picked on in high school he um, he didn't have many friends in high school. And what he saw in the pit were all the guys in flannels that were the ones that used to pick on him. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. The frat guys. Yeah, right, right, right. I was one of those, not frat guy, but I was one of the guys in the pit. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, so. Um, so, yeah, so, so they, they, uh, they wrote the song. They, they came up with it. Do you know where they came the name where do you, the song came from? The name of the song came from. Smells like Teen Spirit. Yes. No. I know you know it. Um, Locker room. I was gonna, the deodorant. I, I was gonna say, is it deodorant related? She is one hundred percent. This is why. This is why I said, do you want to be a part of this? Nirvana? No, I don't want to be a part of the Nirvana podcast because she knows secretively a lot of stuff about it. <laughs> so, so did you have a Nirvana shirt? I wore I wore major flannel flannels okay yeah <laughs> and, and on Broken that note with uh, bull socks yeah yep. yeah on that note I have I a saw that flannel. you brought it yeah I have a flannel on that is still in circulation in my wardrobe <laughs> from 1992 oh that's good wow. so it's older than most of the people that probably listen to Nirvana now. <laughs> that's so, that's yeah. so what true. is the resurgence my goodness there's yeah. T-shirts everywhere and the, the the music has come back in a big way oh yeah it's well, crazy. Well, I the think the only it, reason why I went to Aberdeen was because my kid wanted to go there. See, oh, I'm it. telling you. And we went to see Kurt's house, you know, in the little you? park next to, you know, the lake where he died and all that. Yeah. Wow. And did, he was 15, you know, at the time. Did you guys go to the bridge that he slept under? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. that come on, no way. I don't know that story. Hey, wrote, yeah. Didn't you write? There's a couple of songs, something. Yes, yeah, uh, something in the way. I think is from the bridge time. Yes. Underneath yeah, yeah, the bridge. yeah. He slept yep. under a bridge. I don't know this story. Uh, so he had, you know, he had a typical childhood. He was actually um, uh, he was he was decent in school, you know, and um, he actually started out as a drummer. Oh wow! Um, and then his uncle had a band, and he wanted to learn guitar, so he learned some guitar. And, um, he took, he took just a few lessons and, uh, and then he just started. Is he a good guitar player? Like, I, is he, is he a musician or is he more of a songwriter? Is he a singer songwriter? That, that guy? is such a complicated question to me being not a songwriter, but being able to play like right. a thousand songs. Right. It's so weird to me, um, that he could just come up with these four chords yeah he would write his lyrics on napkins and just make them up there was uh, no yeah. there's no real uh, uh there's there's it wasn't a formal process that he went through no right, not that, usually yeah. yeah but he did have a ton of he was very artistic yeah. and he did have tons of journal writings and gotcha. stuff that were the basis of of song but he he was um he was definitely um artistic he reminds me a bit in my mind's eye of the nineties version of Jim Morrison from the doors. I would 100% go on board because he, his, his, Jim Morrison was a poet that could play a little bit, but his band did everything for the, for the, 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 the sound, the musicality. And then he basically was like this poet that put it to music. I see Kurt a little bit like that. Am I wrong in that? Yeah. He was more than that. I mean, he, he does play on every song. Yeah, I guess that's true. And he wrote all. He wrote every. I mean, song. and for a three-person band, yeah. he must have been a pretty decent musician for it to work. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, so he got the name of the band, or he got the name of the song from. <laughs> it was a deodorant. He didn't realize this, so he was dating a girl in a band called Bikini Kills, okay. and they were living in a house. This is, you know, just like all the bands from that era we talked on another podcast about you know they're all like living in these like almost like band flop houses and he the girl toby i guess he was dating her at the time wrote on the bathroom kurt smells like teen spirit oh come on and and so he goes hey smells like teen spirit (laughs) no way and it was because she wrote it on the wall in marker and he goes oh that sounds like a song name wild and he, he made it into a song, I mean, and it was he didn't realize it was a deodorant. <laughs> was it really? But he was wearing the girl's deodorant, yeah, and that's yeah. why she wrote on the wall, Kurt smells like Teen Spirit. Uh, like no kidding. That's a great story. That's funny. That's very so, cool. That's funny. Uh, so he was an 80s kid. He was like your latchkey kid. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit. Um, he took guitar lessons, and then he released his first song was a song called Love Buzz. And I actually think it's a cover. So now we get to, um, they kind of have their band set with uh, Chad Channing as the drummer. In 89, they recorded uh, an album called Bleach in 1989. Um, The problem is, is before they recorded it, they didn't have any money. (laughs) So they they got have you have you guys ever heard of Jason Everman? No. Yeah. Oh, Brian has. So he's he's a local guy, isn't he? This no. Well, he so, so Jason was was 
uh, a did filled filled in as a bass player for Nirvana or no, he's rhythm guitarist maybe and Soundgarden oh. and is like a Green Beret. What? Yeah. So and I think he li- he doesn't live in this area now. No. Okay. So, but it's interesting. You're you're very close. He was in Soundgarden as a uh, rhythm guitarist. Okay. Then he came to Nirvana. Okay. And was also a guitarist. And if you look at the cover of Bleach, he's on the cover of Bleach. Oh, come on. So he gave them the $606.17. Imagine that. Wow. $606.17 to get this album out of however... He had to pay. Right, 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 right. So he got this album, and they actually put his name on credit on the album, but he actually didn't play on the album. No way. And they added him. Oh, come on. And Kurt has this way, I mean, or Kurt and Chris, I guess. It seems like they have this way, just on base. Now, I never knew the guys, obviously, but just on what I've read about them, right. they were very passive aggressive. So <laughs> they kind of just like. Okay, you're not in the band anymore. Yeah, gotcha. Thank you for your help. Yeah. Yeah, But you're out. Super interesting guy, though. What what do you think Jason Everman does after he's been in Soundgarden and Nirvana? No idea. He becomes a Green Beret. He becomes a Green Beret. Stop it. 12 years. Stop it. As a Green Beret. Yes. (sighs) Decorated. What? Yeah. Uh, Overseas. I don't know his whole military. He went to Afghanistan. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Holy smokes. That's not two things that usually come together for one guy. (laughs) Grunge band, being a part of that scene, especially in Soundgarden, and then Green Beret. Wow, that's interesting. And and I've read some things about him, like he was in boot camp and when he was in there and and his head shaved. And of course, you know, everybody at that particular time that he goes in, in the 90s, you know, they know who Soundgarden is. They know Mm -hmm. who Nirvana is. And of course, they're going... Fired from both, huh? <laughs> wow. wow, that's wild. Now, I've never met him either, but there's an interesting story. Now, he's in a band right now that I'm actually friends with all the guys in the band called Silence and Light, and it's all former uh, Special Operation Warrior guys. Oh, that's cool. And um, they played a show over here at Sophic last year, um, and I'm getting way off on a tangent, Sorry. but... Hmm. Great dudes, every single one of them. One day, hopefully, I'll 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 meet him. He wasn't there for that show. Oh, but, that's really cool. But I'm friends with all those guys in that band. So I'm hoping that between your band, their band, somebody's band, <laughs> yeah, your blows band. up yeah. so that I can become the driver. I love it. And the <laughs> that's guitar great. tech. That's great. And you know, pseudo security, whatever you need. Oh, you know, <laughs> we'd love to have it. <laughs> so well, I, have a, I have a question. So so they record Bleach. Are they into the drug scene at this point i mean have they always been in the drug scene or is that something that happened with commercial success this is why i like coming to this podcast (laughs) because i didn't write it down but i have the answer okay no he was he was very um they smoked maybe a little bit of marijuana and and i wanted to bring uh, the olympia beer okay they used to drink he actually wore a t-shirt olympia beer t-shirt and there's a couple pictures of them. And I looked and looked for this beer because, you know, I yeah. love to bring you. Yes, this. I know you do. Thank you. And I, I it went out of business in 2015. But oh, no, in wow. answer to your question, he was not doing any heavy drugs. Wow. Um, 
they actually went on tour in Europe, but he he always had some sort of uh, stomach issue, mm. like like severe mm-hmm. stomach issues, and um, he couldn't eat. He'd throw up, and um, he he was in a lot of pain through that. Um, but he wasn't at that point. He wasn't doing. He was just your average kid, you know. He had, he had a um, a girl that actually worked a day job so that he can follow his dream during the bleach time. And that's what I was going to play the next song off of bleach. Yeah. So I've kind of set the backdrop for that. They've kind of solidified their lineup with the exception of the drummer. Remember? Because the drummer didn't come on. This is the old one. Yep. This is Chad Channing. And, um, so, so this is song one off of bleach. I wouldn't, it's not song one, Okay. but it's a song. (laughs) Let's do it that way then. It's fine. So the significance of this song to me, it was one of the very first songs I learned how to play on bass. Oh, wow. All right, let's hear it. It's funny. I didn't think I was going to know any of the songs off of their early albums, but I do know this one. Do you guys do this one? Do you guys sing this one? No, you don't do this one. We we've toyed around with a uh, couple few. different Nirvana songs. He's he, he wasn't doing drugs at this time. Seriously? No, no. This wow. is '89. Wow. Yeah, he wasn't really doing a lot on this. Yeah. It wasn't until we go back to what you were going to say about you have toyed with doing well, some. He, you know, he's, he has such a unique um, voice. Yeah, you know, and and it's almost like some of the. Um, Song because he starts out slow and then he wants to you know ramp yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he's out of his range in a lot in a lot. You know, I think so, he's it sounds like he's straining. Yeah. all the time, yep. but beautifully, right? Yep. Like he, he's comfortable in the straining mm-hmm. is the way I hear it. That's the grunge. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Right? right. Like you know, so it's not. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't classically taught or you know whatever. You know, right. he just that's yeah. He's just he's singing just his guts out, letting his emotions yeah. go. Right, and that's why I'm curious why you know maybe there weren't drugs involved, but he he was a heroin addict. I mean, we know that. So when did that happen? So um, you're 100 percent correct, but at that particular time, I mean, because remember his rise was rapid from '89. 91, they were already headlining. So, sure. It came and went so fast. They, yeah. Had, yeah. they didn't even have enough money to pay for the first album. And then two years mm-hmm. later, they're headlining like Reading in England or, right. you know, there's 50,000 people. that fast, huh? Yeah. The just, whole thing. Well, I the mean, whole scene, not literally, just literally, you had kids like me. I was a kid. Yeah that stopped in their tracks and go, are you kidding? Who is this band? I need to find them. What other albums do they have? Yeah. Do they have anything else out? And that was back in the day of CDs. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would go to the record shop and you'd go to the Nirvana section and you'd be like, oh, wait a second. These are un- previously unreleased. Is this a live version? I'll buy this too. I'll oh, buy that. You know what I mean? So wow. you just... And I think it had a lot to do with the, you know, with the industry because Sub Pop, I think, was their first label but Nevermind wasn't with Sub Pop. It was, it was somebody else. So they, yeah, they realized, or Kurt realized, 
you know, if, if we're going to go somewhere, we've got to find a better label. Got it. And so they went a little more mainstream or whatever. And, and it probably took I want to say, further. didn't they use like the, the lawyer or somebody from Soundgarden? Like, you know, because they were all connected mm-hmm. yeah. there. Yeah, I remember when and you did so the podcast, like, hey, you who's your, said who's that? your lawyer yeah. or whatever? You know, we, we need to find a new, you know, uh, label. And they're like, oh, use this guy or that guy. Or In fact, I think it was a woman. And they were, and I think that's what elevated them to never mind getting the radio play and yeah they you're um, you're absolutely correct there was a there was a female and i can't remember her name because i just read it today and i apologize about that but they that actually took them to the next level by introducing them to yep whoever was the and i want to say it was uh DCG, which I think is David Geffen. Oh, yeah, 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 right. That's exactly it, yep. And that's what blew up that yep. album, so. Yeah, so gotcha. you went from Sub Pop to Geffen Records. Wow. You know, like that's, yeah, it's huge, but yeah. They, like, so that, their wait, the claim, library their is small. was three years, man. No like was, kidding. <laughs> In Bloom was a great one, and the one that I remember is that was on the either the first or the second Guitar Hero. Oh, no um, kidding. You know, <laughs> yeah, game, game or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they had a cool video on MTV. And I, that maybe where Randy got his skills of, you know, toward the end of the song, the bass player, you know, Chris just takes his bass and starts smashing the cymbals. Yeah, gotcha, and, yeah. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously Kurt was, you know, broke guitars all the time and, and I, re- I read, like, I, I'm a Foo Fighter guy, too, so, like, I've read Dave Grohl's books, and he mentions a lot about how it in the early days, you know, because he came into Nirvana after they were already yeah. established. right. And, um, and they would, you know, they'd get to some gigs, and they were like, you know, they'd destroy their instruments, and then they're like, well, I need a drum set yeah, what, now. Do you, like, what do we and do? And they would borrow it from, you know, oh, one of the on. other, you know, opening bands. or. <laughs> Jeez. He actually had his own guitar made by Fender. Did you know this? I did not know that, no. It's a Jagstan. Really? I almost brought one. I have a left-handed Jagstan at my house. Just for him? My son is a left-handed guitarist. Oh, is he? Ah. And so I'm like, hey, you need to get a jack stand. No kidding. And Didn't so know that. It's a Jaguar body with a Mustang head because he liked the small fret. Yep. And so he actually had it built and at the the latter part of, of any video you see, he's actually playing one and it's a um, seafoam blue they call it. Huh. And that was his guitar. Did but not know that. He would always, he'd have the necks you know, and he'd smash these guitars up. This is probably one of their first most popular song. I mean, their first song that actually got them any airplay. And this is the one I was talking about. It's called Love Buzz. It sounds live. Is it live? It is. Song. 
Love Buzz. Oh, you said that. And this is a cover you're singing, right? I can't. I don't know who who uh, wrote it originally. I only know it as their song. Wow, it's all right. Okay. So, um, so he blows up. Uh, I think we're already to that point. Yeah. He adds Dave Grohl. Um, he meets Courtney Love, and he has a baby. Oh wow! And he names. You know what? I didn't know he had a kid. He did. There he does. She's she's. Um, her name is Frances Bean Cobain. Okay, didn't know that. And um, she's around. Looks just like her mom. Is really? It? She looks just like her mom. Oh wow! Yep. Yep. Um, so in the interim, he develops a super. You know, he develops his drug habit. How ba- I mean, it was bad. The, the drug habit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Him and him and Courtney Love. They they fed off each other with that drug habit. It just. He had a daughter, Frances Bean, um, and then they did an interview with her, and her song that reminds her of her dad is off the third album, and I thought that that would be a good song to pick. Oh, all right, nice. So, um, and then we'll talk about... What's the name of the song? It's called Dumb. I'm not that back in town. You know what? It's so nobody sounds like him. He is so unique. I would know this is him. I don't know this song, and I would know it's him. Wow. Identify this song like when she was an adult, or yeah. So like currently, um, so she says that that is an autobiography by Kurt, in her opinion. Oh wow, which I think is pretty cool because yeah. you know same genetic. He's not pull. dumb. He's just happy. And nope, and it's his roller coaster of drug use. Yeah, oh. I have some glue. I could fix you. Oh wow, you know so and so that's one to maybe dig in and look at the lyrics and like learn about that's good to know if if you wanted to yeah yeah so but yeah she uh i thought that was pretty interesting out of all how old of a guy is he when he has the kid roughly i would say because because she was a baby when he died 25 maybe he's 25 he died at 27 27 right so he's 25 holy smokes Mm -hmm. So. so young I think, you know, I read a couple books. I remember reading Dave's book, and he would talk a little bit about his experience because when he first moved to Seattle, he came from Washington, D.C., Right, moved to Seattle. Well, where did he stay? On Kirk's couch. No kidding. And so he lived, he lived there, you know, just until he figured out, you know, where he was going to go. Well, himself. they didn't have any money. They were still waiting for their money. Right. Wow. And, and I think I remember him, you know, making comments about, like, you know, this is kind of weird, you know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm on this guy's couch and for, and I think, you know, it was more of like, how am I even in this band? Like Kurt's this like little guy. And then you got Chris, who's this giant, you know, bass player. And he's like, and this is Nirvana. Like he yeah, shows right. up and he's like, these guys are Nirvana. <laughs> that's, and that's, now I'm sleeping on their couch. You know? like, that's so weird. That's, that is interesting. Like you think of Nirvana as like a, 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 a big thing and yet it's just a, a tall guy and a little guy and then he's sleeping on their couch that's that's a good point that's a good point so 
where this got uh, interesting for me, right. um, I'm at Florida State in 1993. Um, my dad sent me $50 Ooh. for my birthday in November of 1993. You thought you were rich. Oh, dude. 50 bucks college back then? Oh. So, and this is November, so I get this check, I cash it, I'm like, Nirvana's coming to oh. Tallahassee. So I brought the ticket no, that I you purchased. Oh, get out of here. For the show. Oh, no. No, kidding. Let me see it. And I want you wow. to look at how much I paid for the ticket. Let me see. It's like 850 8. or something. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> wow. Salador event. How did you save that? This? Yeah, no kidding. We'll, we'll talk about that Wait, in a minute. Wait, all right. Thursday, December 2nd, 1993 at 8 p.m., <laughs> the price was $17 and 50, 50 cents. <laughs> wow. Look at this. This is awesome. Did you have to wait in line like a Ticketmaster or whatever? Or? No. I literally went to the ticket booth. Nobody there. What? Yeah, there was no line. Nothing. Walked up and go, hey, I want two tickets for Nirvana, please. No Took way. Took my $50, bought two tickets. Where was it? It was at the Leon County Civic Center oh, wow. in Tallahassee. Right on campus. Which was maybe six blocks from where I lived. Um, I was already playing a bass, and I had a friend that was a bass player, and he goes, I'm not going to see that band. Like, what? what do you mean? He, wow. goes, he, goes, he goes, that bass player is terrible. Wow. I'm like, oh. wow. I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy, these guys are awesome. And he goes, no, man, I'm not going. I go, all right, well, I'm going. Um, you still have the ticket framed. That's so cool. I still have the ticket. So I had just start date, just started dating a girl in February of 1993. Right. Who I'm still married to. No. <laughs> I had the extra ticket for her to go to the show. Oh, I love no it. No way, because the dude didn't want to go because of the bass. No, no, no. I, I got the ticket for her to oh, go to the oh, show. Okay, with all right. I thought you wanted to ask we the guy, were, and he said no, and then, okay, got it. No, got no, it. no. That was just a side note on that. So but, this is a really important band for many different reasons and different levels for you. So you have to understand where she was coming from. Like we went to go see Garth Brooks together <laughs> at that time. <laughs> right, okay. So here okay. I am wanting to take her to Nirvana. <laughs> She looks at the date in her calendar and she goes, I have a final on Friday. I can't go. Oh, I'm like, well, here I have two tickets, general admission, mind you, to Nirvana. Um, so I remember the other bands. It was Show and Knife, which was a Japanese band. What? And the Breeders. Oh, wow. Nice. Really? Cannonball. Yeah. We, no co kidding. we cover Cannonball. And they were Pixies. Weren't one of them in the Pixies or? 100% correct. Wow. And now it makes sense. Kim Deal from the Cannon, from uh, the Breeders was also in the Pixies as the bass player. Come Which was on. Kurt's. Um, kind of inspiration. Yeah. Wow. wow. So I go to this show and uh, I'm there and I'm in general mission, the pit. And the entire show, uh, Kurt Cobain didn't. This is December of 1993. Right. He's obviously deep into the drugs at this point. Really? Said nothing the whole show. Wow. It literally played. So they added another guitarist at that point. Um, a rhythm guitarist. A rhythm guitarist, Pat Smear. Pat Smear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Pat Smear is from the Germs. 
who's another band. So, yep. and, and he stayed with them that forever. Yeah. And Pat, what else is Pat smearing right now? He's in Foo Fighter. Oh, he's is he? He's the, he's the, that's yeah. right. That's right. He's the other say that. guitarist yeah, right. and the yep. Foo Fighters. Yeah. So, so uh, was he visibly like not there? He said nothing. And at one point, Pat Smear, and I still remember it, you know, um, Pat Smear came across the stage and, you know, the pit's going crazy. And of course, I'm like 22 years old. I'm in yeah, the middle of pit. Now. Right, yeah. I have to backtrack a second. So the night of the show, I have an extra ticket. She kind of, I think she dropped the bomb on me like, like two days in advance. <laughs> I start calling people that I know in Tallahassee. Hey, man got an extra ticket for Nirvana General Mission. I'll give it to you. Hey, man, got another extra ticket. You couldn't get rid of the wow. thing. Couldn't so get anyone to go. It. Called a friend of a friend, uh, a f- my wife's friend's boyfriend, gave him the ticket. We went to the show together. Stop it. Yeah. Wow. So this guy got the other ticket. That's so why they I weren't have that big f- here yet. I mean, it was like, if you knew them, you knew them, but it wasn't like the... Wait a second. 93, they were in the height of their... They had just finished doing Unplugged. But I feel wow. like... Wait, I feel like I found center, out about them after they were... Like like maybe even after he died. So he died in April of 94, right? Correct. So we're, you're talking five months later, he's dead. He's dead. Wow. It happened so fast, all of this. The rise and fall. So, so wait, did they what they played all their hits though, right? At your Tallahassee show? They did. They, yeah, I wanna they, I wanna talk about how they were live. Like So great. You I've know. never met anyone that's seen them live. So they they were good live. They were good. They put on a show. The only thing is like Chris Novoselic was the only one talking the whole wow. time. He was so the only between one between songs he would he'd be yeah, the only he one was saying doing, things like he was doing the rock talk. The rock talk. Yeah. As we like to say. So yep. he was doing the rock talk and it was it was Interesting, but at one point, Pat Smear came across the stage, and you know, there's a big pit going on. So, I mean, there's a lot of energy. Everybody was. It was the the days of the circle pits, which were much better than what these kids are doing now. These kids doing this stuff, just destroying each other. But yeah, circle pits. It was just unity and fun. Someone falls in the pit, you pick them up. You know, it wasn't right. There was. It wasn't about fighting. It was just about being part of something. Yeah. And um, I remember him going across the stage. So I'm like at times five feet away from the front of the stage. You know, it just depends. Yeah, it depends. You know, yeah. I get in the pit. I get tired. I go to the front. <laughs> I get in the pit. I go tired. <laughs> yeah, right. 22 years old. You know, I didn't care. Um, long story short, um, Pat Smear comes across and runs into him. He stops playing for a second. So this was... You know, this is the 90s. There was no such thing as backtracks, you know. Right. So no, the music is, yeah. stopped for a second. He kept singing, and then he just kept playing. And I'm like, man, he's just out of it. Wow. You know? And um, at the end of the show, guess what happens? No. Tell me. I'm going to have to have a, a drink. A swig? Yeah, yeah, because this still haunts me to oh, this day. Oh, really? Oh, no. Uh, he falls. Did yes. he finally say something, and it was kind of yeah, gargly or um, mumbly or ominous. He he passed out. He smashed his guitar. Oh. No, did he? Guess where the guitar went? I don't know. Off the stage. <gasps> Do you have remnants of it? I, I wish it would be framed right now. <laughs> Dude, I was gonna say. <laughs> I'm just I like the ticket, but not the guitar. I was like, so everybody went crazy and scooped yeah, it up. It was just. We were a bunch of kids, man. I don't yeah. know. Someone probably grabbed something. Yeah, right. You know? I, right. I don't oh, know wow. where it went. It just 
He smashed it. Is he sitting or standing? He was standing the whole time. He was standing. Yeah, he was not sitting. Huh. I am um, impressed isn't the right word. Uh, fascinated, I think, is probably a better word. That you could be that out of it and still carry through a concert and remember words and chords and timing. and I'm like, not. You're not? Why? I've been in a band 13 years. I can drink <laughs> half a bottle of bourbon and still play these songs. No. Oh, okay. He's th- you're, you're, if they're that practice, but see, I mean that level of drug use, I'm st- I'm just amazed. I'm amazed. Yeah, and again, I I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was taking drugs at that time. I just he was just at that time. He said nothing. He was it just could so have been. No, he, yeah. was, he was absolutely. He was, but in he the was in a of it. Yeah, yeah, he was in a phase though where he. And just based on on reading and all yeah. the stuff afterwards and all the books, I've read probably three or four books about him. I read his journals. He was a tortured spirit at that time. He did not... Um, he didn't like the fame at that time. Like, he still drove an old Volvo. He, you know, he didn't... He'd just drive around and, you know, he didn't want to be recognized. He was one of those reluctant... Yeah, which is weird because some parts of it, like going back and retroing to get seventy five percent of the yeah. royalties, but yeah, but he's reluctant. Bry, in some of the books that you read from from Grohl, oh no, that's me. That's oh, me. Okay. Um, we need a little background. That's fine. I, Good. Did, did they? Were all of them in the drug scene as heavy, or were they? No, he was it difficult than like dealing Kurt, with some of Kurt's. Kurt was, um, you know. From what I understand, you know, like you mentioned the stomach, you know, like he had some stomach issues and pain. And so he would, you know, was it the drugs caused the pain or the, oh, right. you know, he had pain, pain and to because take, of the and drugs, he yeah. took the drugs. Um, but that was an ongoing thing. Like, you know, and I remember in uh, Dave's book, the recent one, you know, because he went on, Dave went on to have 25 years of fame afterwards, right? You know, because he was in that little three year pocket. Right. That's it. Yeah. And he said something to the effect like they you know they were heavy heavy they were starting to tour and they didn't do a lot of world tours, right? And he said something like, you know, the worst phone call I ever had was, you know, the day that I got the phone call that Kurt died. And it was Rome where he OD'd at a show. He they did a show in Munich. Okay. And which was their last show. They go to Rome because they're on a world tour, a European tour. It wasn't a world tour, so they might have had, I don't know how many cities. And he ODs, so they cancel everything. Courtney or whoever, manager, somebody calls and says, you know, Kurt's dead. And he didn't die. You know, he went to the hospital and they saved him. Well, that was probably in February. And a month later... He committed suicide. So he's like, I had Holy to live through that phone smokes. call twice. Oh my god! And gosh. so he's like, you know, the, the first call, you know, was yeah. devastating. But he's, you know, he survived that. And then they, you know, he went home. He goes into rehab. He skips out of rehab. And then, can we talk a little bit about the suicide specifically? Like, what was there any um, afterwards? Any reasoning other than just him being a, a, a tormented and tortured soul, as you had said? Was there anything specific, or was it? So um, he's a hundred percent correct on on the time frame. In February, it was in Rome. He 
OD'd on Rufinol and champagne. Oh, wow. And he wrote a suicide note then. Wow. Oh, no kidding. So it was his first attempt. Okay. They okay. saved gotcha. him and brought him back. Then they realize, hey, this drug problem is, is bigger than it is, plus whatever else he's got going on, we need to get him help. Wow. They sent him to a treatment center in March, and it was one of those treatment centers where you could have just walked out of the door. All these rock stars went there, and they brought all these. Gotcha. He even talked about that at some point, about all these different rock stars coming in and, you know, like, oh, hey, I've been where you've been at. Oh, you right, know, right, like right. This. But, he uh, he left, went up to Seattle to his house. Um, like in the last week in March, they saw him out a couple times. His friend went and bought him a twenty gauge shotgun, mm, what? Um, and uh, that's what he eventually ended up using. Um, he there's all these conspiracy theories that he was murdered and all this stuff because oh, he is there shot oh. up with heroin before he died and. Um, I, we talk about being in the living room. I distinctly remember where I was when the MTV flashed on and said Kurt Cobain is oh, dead. Oh, really? Wow. Kurt Loader. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember Kurt Loader. Yep. Was yep. doing it. And then they just constantly playing the unplugged yeah. on MTV. Like I think that was probably when it hit me. Yeah. Right around then. Yeah. I, I think it might have been after he died, honestly, yep. now that I'm really thinking about yep. it. Most likely, yeah. Yeah. And then there was, you know, uh, that was uh, that was April 8th of 1994 that they found him. And it was an electrician. Um, I can't remember his name. It was Gary something. And he actually, instead of calling the police, he finds his body and calls a radio station. Oh, so, come on. That's yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So. Wow. And. I didn't know that the um, OD was an attempted uh, suicide. I the first that. one, yeah. yeah. The first one, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then the second one, and uh, he uh, he used a shotgun, and that uh, was that was it. That was the end of Nirvana. And but it wasn't though. It was the end of the music. But it was it, the it, end. The Nirvana of, has, for some reason, just transcended time through all of this. It, They've had ups and downs in popularity, but I really feel like over the past couple of years, it's really come back in a big way. And I don't know if it's because it fills a void. There's nothing like that in the music space today. It was one of the best-selling albums or one of the best-selling bands of all time. For sure. It sold 75 million copies. Uh, never mind. 75 million copies? Worldwide. <laughs> and I didn't know that. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on their first um, their first nomination or whatever, yeah, yeah. Wow. which was in uh, I think it was 2014. Oh wow! So, uh, are they the grunge creators? I, I mean, are they? It's the, hard to say because you have Soundgarden. I, have, I'm looking a bit at Brian because he did the Soundgarden. Yeah, you have podcast. Soundgarden. I mean, is it you is have, it a toss it's a up? Different style of music, really. I mean, like Kurt, the the songs that he wrote and the um, the style of their music was very unique. Yeah. You, you know, even more so than Soundgarden. I mean, it, but is yeah. Soundgarden grunge? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, because it was all that group, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Um, even, well, it started the Temple of the, what, Temple of the Dog? Is that what it was? Well, Temple of the Dog was kind of a put-together band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pearl Jam, 
uh, he did not like Pearl Jam. He didn't like Eddie Vedder. Kurt didn't. He did not. Oh, wow. Yeah, he thought that um, he didn't like their bass player because the bass player had been an athlete in high school. Oh, okay. I mean, that's a crazy tidbit. Yeah, yeah. But it does set the tone of where his mind was at. Right. So he did not. And and when they did Unplugged, um, do you know who he brought on stage with them? Do you no. know what band? No. The Meat Puppets. The Meat Puppets. No, no kidding. Do you know any songs from the Meat Puppets? Uh, no. I know the name, but no, I don't think I do. You you would know the songs that he covered now because they're famous. Right. But um, they, uh, um, let's listen to one real quick. Is okay, that all right? Cool. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't it. No, it's all right. I got to get to it. Stop that and uh, play whenever you're ready. Do they have live albums other than the Unplugged as well? Um, yes, they have a whole bunch of them now. I think a lot of it was bootleg stuff. You know, and, and they may have even, like, because people were doing so much bootleg, they were like, okay, we're going to stop this and we're going to make our own live album. You know, or... Um, yeah, they... It might after have come out died, after in Euro, yeah, they I guess, had, but Again, they're, they're just like... It's like everything. They have some vault music yeah. they released a song like i want to say maybe 10 years ago that was an original that had never been released there was a lot of it was it was courtney love trying uh, right, to yeah right, they right. were the, the estate you know figured out how to monetize that you know, stuff that and, was there she i think i i read some i don't know if it was in dave book or something i don't know whatever but she sold like a portion, twenty, let's say twenty-five percent of the uh, song rights or whatever. Oh yeah, for this catalog, fifty million dollars. Oh, get out of here! Fifteen years ago. Oh. So what would that be worth? Yeah, now? today, you know, with, especially uh, with all those artists now that they're mo- like monetizing their catalog. So what is this that we're listening to? Uh, this is a song called Plateau, and it's off of the Unplugged. Yeah, and it's with the Meat Puppets. Yeah, it's their song. I didn't know it was their song, and uh, I learned how to play this one too. It was really easy. <laughs> yeah, but I know the song. I thought it was his. The execs were all about like, uh, he said, "Hey, I'm bringing in a, a band," and then he goes, "They're thinking, oh man, they're gonna bring Pearl Jam in," and he goes, "Nope, Meat Puppets." Wow, and they're like. Who are the <laughs> And, you know, I mean, their songs, the songs that he covered, fantastic. Yeah. But have you ever heard of the Meat Puppets since? No. Exactly. No. He also covered a bunch of Bowie songs in the Unplugged thing as he well. He did, yeah. yeah. And that, those are They're great. I think great that was songs. part of his style. And maybe, you know, going back to like he didn't really like the fame or whatever. And he was tired of the overplayed teen spirit and all that. And he was like, when he showed up for the MTV thing, he's like, I'm, I'm not even going to play. Yeah, I'm not going to do any of that I'm going to play somebody else's songs or I'm right. going to, you know, like throw a curveball. So. Turn this up just a tad. So I'm assuming like no Grammys, nothing like that. How do um, the critics think about them? They actually did win Hall some Grammys. I, yeah, they, they won like New Artist of the Year. They won a, a bunch of different things and there's always the famous um i forget which award ceremony and i apologize for not having that but um there's the famous bass toss when he had a couple chris novoselic had a couple beers and he threw the bass 
straight up in the air and it hit him right in the face <laughs> oh, at the end of the song and he fell over <laughs> oh, come on. and he's staggering around and then Kurt kicks him That's on top of it. He almost knocked himself out. Uh, it's one of the one of the best. They were just... I'm going to have to look that up. It was just one of those times, man. Yeah. It's just the whole... Everything, you know. Reckless and Yeah, messy. No, no phones. Nobody had phones. No. Remember no, that. None of that. I mean, that was awesome times it was a, it was a different time so, for sure and it was just you know that's right, so why wait, what is this what is this you're playing me um this is one jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam it's off the unplugged album again i keep saying this but i would know his voice regardless of whether i knew the song or not I think he likes stuff that that was um, yeah, it's good too. So so like that would really um, how do you say it? Like make his range. It was it was really hard in his range. Yeah, like he would it's, push. It's barely in it. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. It's good too. So this is a meat puppet song. He does it better. And I think he actually had the, well, I don't think he had the brothers on and they played, he didn't even play on some of these songs. Oh, no kidding? Yeah, he was just singing. Singing. All right, so what song do you want to bring me out on? That's what I'm looking at right now. Okay, I was going to say, because there, is there a song, obviously this band is incredibly special to you for so many reasons. I love the fact that it hit you in the way that it did. It's not something that was sold to you. It's not something that you just kind of grew up with. It's something that you stumbled upon literally, accidentally. You were just in the right place and it hit you. Because think of all the times that you're listening to music, even unbeknownst to you, it's on in the background, but it doesn't hit you in the way that you described that it hit you. Right? It was impactful. I love that. I think that's awesome. But is there a song through all these decades now of time that you've been listening to Nirvana that you, like, this is kind of your song? Or that you feel like you only know? Or that's special to you for a certain reason? Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes, like, it makes a lot of sense. And, and the thing is, is that, cause there, so we're talking 30 years ago i know that's what i mean so the songs that would hit me back then are different they would hit me yeah, now yeah, so when right. i'm looking through this i'm like you know what there's one song that i just keep looking at and i'll just play it okay come right. as you are was was a great one too though yeah wait do i know this one wait a minute don't say it. Don't say it. Let me see if I can identify it. I do know this one. This is the one I'm going to take you out on. Okay. Give us the name. Heart-shaped box. Yeah. Off in utero. I think the original uh, song was Heart-shaped coffin. Oh. And uh, I think they they said that was a little too dark, and they figured let's let's. It was a a really kind of dark video. Yeah, for this, I don't remember it. I do know if you saw it, you'd remember it. 
Yeah. Awesome job. Awesome job. Thank you so much, seriously, for going through all of this. Love it. And taking me through what has been obviously an extremely big band for you. And and I'm I'm shocked because I know some of these songs, but it never was a band that actually like touched me and like resonated with me in the same way that it did for you. That's why you bring me to these things. (laughs) I'm trying to get you (laughs) Exactly right. But I did bring you a gift. Oh, did you? I always bring you a gift. Oh, the ticket. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a 12 ounce. That's a, a huge 32 ounce Pat's Blue Ribbon. Correct. Why? PBR. Well, I couldn't get you. Uh, there was two Olympia. beers I wanted. I couldn't get you the Olympia. <laughs> right? And then I looked for Rainier. <laughs> and I couldn't get Rainier either in time. So you felt so that I the PBR... Yeah, it was established yeah. in 1844. <laughs> it, it won a ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sometime. with that, with that, I would say thank you for my PBR. Thank you for doing this podcast. Thank you, everybody, for participating. And we'll see you next time.